Welcome back to the Four Gardens Podcast. I'm Jake Ifshin. Conscious dance has been a transformational practice for me. As someone who is regularly caught up in the invisible world of my thoughts, conscious dance practices have invited me to return to the wisdom of my body and the moment. On the dance floor, I find my way back to joy through connecting to the music, to my feet, to my breath, and to community. The experience of dancing without drugs and alcohol while holding the intentions of healing play and meaningful connection has been a blessing for me. I'm happy to present a special practice-based episode on conscious dance with Omar Aina, founder of Dance Lab, a community space based in Brooklyn, exploring the alchemy of sound and, and movement. Today, Omar and I are going to have a conversation about conscious dance, what it is, its different modalities, and how it's impacted us. Then Omar will be offering an original DJ set that will support you to experience conscious dance wherever you are in the world. Before we get started, please click like and subscribe buttons below to help support this project. We always appreciate your reviews and comments as well. Let's jump right in. Omar, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast today. You're welcome, man. Thanks for the invitation. Really happy to see you. Looking good. <laughs> How are you, brother? Yeah. And you're, and you're here to talk about one of our favorite topics, which is dancing. And a lot of people might not be familiar when I say conscious dance. What am I talking about there? I know that for me, this was brand new to me about seven or eight years ago, this whole world. So for people who are brand new to this, could you give them an intro to what we're talking about? Absolutely. Conscious dance for me is where mindfulness and movement come together, a place and a practice where we enter and we tune in to our bodies. We try to descend from our thinking minds that occupy so much of our days, and it's giving ourselves permission to reconnect and embody exactly how we're feeling, how we're doing at any given moment. It's a term that is very broad and wide, and there are a lot of different practices and modalities that are offered under that broad umbrella. But most simply, it's a practice that allows you to express how you're doing in the moment through your body. Even the word dance within conscious dance can be a bit of a misnomer because when people hear the word dance, they automatically ask themselves or say, oh, I'm not a dancer, but that's not the point. Actually, you don't need to be a dancer. It's really conscious movement. We all move, we're always moving, even if we're moving very slowly or just small micro movements, movement is always happening. So the conscious element of bringing that into our movement is where the magic is. When we bring very subtle awareness to what's going on in our bodies and how we're moving, something really special can happen. Something very normal can happen, but there's uh, there's something very powerful that can transpire when we're attuned and attentive to every little micro movement happening in our bodies. So I can you know talk on and on about what that term means, but that's a bit of an introduction. And uh, yeah, happy to share more. I like it. It's philosophical. It's a great broad picture to start with. And 
I know you, one of the ways I know you is through your work with Dance Lab, where you actually, you know, I, I like the way you describe it in your bio, where it's a mixture of sound and an alchemy of sound and movement together. It's not, you know, it's defining dance in a pretty poetic way. And give a little bit of an intro to, to people who don't know your work, to what Dance Lab is and how that, it's maybe some examples from Dance Lab of, of conscious dance, what we're talking about here and how it works. Yeah, absolutely. Dance Lab was birthed from another practice called Ecstatic Dance, which is a worldwide movement, a global community happening in hundreds of cities around the world. Um, ecstatic Dance itself is a space for people to come as they are, move as they wish. No drugs, no alcohol, no shoes on the dance floor, no cell phones, no taking pictures or videos or getting on Instagram and creating stories, none of that. It's being present, dancing, DJs playing music, and is taking you on an arc, musically speaking. So usually the music starts off really slow, gentle, fluid, and then the music will start to pick up in tempo, pick up in the kinds of genres that are played, and eventually it gets to a peak where there's a, a catharsis and a big explosion of energy. And then at the end, it kind of tapers off and levels out to a more calm, gentle space. And the music reflects that. Simple, but incredibly profound when you're really in the experience of it. And so my journey with ecstatic dance just did so much for me. It opened parts of myself that I didn't even realize were so closed and it, it just made me more present to life, made me more available to life. And so first having just practiced and having participated and attended so many of these events myself, eventually I was invited to co-produce ecstatic dances in New York City. And then eventually I wanted to start something a bit smaller and more intimate and more experimental. And that's where Dance Lab came in. So it's very similar to ecstatic dance, but we try to emphasize the class portion at the very beginning of our events. So usually when you come to a dance lab, the first hour is a structured guided movement class. And every event we invite in a different teacher who specializes and focuses on a different modality of movement as a form of therapy, as a form of somatic healing. And so that portion of the event is facilitated. So you're listening and following the guidance of a teacher. And that usually happens for about an hour. And then after that, it transitions to the ecstatic dance with the DJ. And that is totally unstructured, no facilitation. You are your own teacher. And hopefully you would have learned something from the class beforehand. And you can bring some of those learnings, some of that vocabulary, into the freeform dance portion. Over time, once you come to many dance lab events and once you've experienced a lot of different modalities, hopefully you have a lot of vocabulary now, a lot of embodied vocabulary, a lot of tools that you can access so that when you're just moving on the dance floor or just moving in life, and if something comes up for you where you are closing off, if you're finding yourself judging another person, if you find yourself feeling stuck, blocked, if you find yourself just being disconnected from the moment, the goal with Dance Lab is that hopefully you would have gained tools over the course of 
you know, however many dance labs you've been to, that you can use that vocabulary to get you unstuck from the moment. Um, and so, yeah, it's an experimental space and we have had such an amazing journey diving in and exploring some of these practices together. I've loved uh, meeting you in that space and dancing with you there. And I think you're the perfect person to have on this podcast because of the way Dance Lab features so many different styles of conscious dance. So you do curate that for a pretty big community for many years now in New York. And I think with this topic, you and I are in a place, I've, we both wanted to make this episode for a while because there is this desire we both named to share what is conscious dance with family members, with friends who are brand new to this. And I'm realizing as we have this conversation, there's a level of complexity within that umbrella term too, that it, it makes it kind of challenging to bring that experience to new people in a way that's very approachable and accessible, or even to put it into words. Because certainly my advice to new people is to go to one of these dances, is to go to Dance Lab and just try it. And I do think with a new place, I've heard people express fear around dancing, express, that's not for me, that's not me to do any of these things. I could never dance without having a drink in my hand. That was certainly me years ago. I would always have a drink or a bass guitar in my hand when I was dancing, that was my two ways of dancing. So sober dancing, that was that was a little off limits to me. Uh, and so for me, I think we, we're, we're almost in too deep, you and me, Omar, in this, where it's been so many years of this, that it's almost, I have to go back a ways and think, what was that like back in the day when this was scary to me, this was alien to me. And I, uh, yeah, I just wanna riff on that for a minute of, of those, how to get past those boundaries for new people and create an invitation for people who are brand new to this. I love it. And I am now remembering that this is what sparked this desire between you and I to create this episode, to create uh, something that is accessible for people that maybe have heard of ecstatic dance, dance lab, but they're like, yeah, nah, I don't really vibe with what's going on there, or I don't know what it is, or uh, like you said, you know, the fear around being in a space like that. I definitely had that too. Context, like I grew up not dancing at all. Like that was not my thing. I was the guy at the high school dance that was hiding in the corner, just not wanting to be on the dance floor being seen at all. Like that was not my thing. I was a sports guy, basketball guy, music guy, but dance was not my thing. Um, and that's why I try to re- emphasize or redirect the term from dance to movement because it really is a practice where you're not really doing choreography or you're not here to show off your best moves. You're there to just be. You're there to just let your body move in whatever intuitive ways it wants to move. And the music is going to move you, hopefully. Like the DJ is going to play all kinds of music from around the world, different genres. And there's just an invitation to allow yourself and allow the natural movement of your body to come through. Literally, there's no effort needed. There's no like uh, trying to dance needed. The only effort that's needed is showing up, being open, being curious. From there, like an intuition takes over. And I think that's the best advice you can give somebody is just go, just try it out. Maybe it's not for you, but at least you can go in person and form that opinion for yourself. 
Um, but for me, yeah, my background was similar, like going to bars, going to clubs. That was the only association that I had with having fun on the weekend. I did not know another alternative existed. And those nights were fun. I would have a blast with my homies. We would be out. We would just be kind of bugging out. And yeah, there would be a sort of catharsis in that. But usually you wake up the next morning, hungover, just feeling like crap. And uh, when that's all you know, though, that's all you know. But when another alternative presented itself to me and I realized I can have such an amazing time, feel very free and expressed, and I can go home, you know, at like 10 p.m., go to sleep, wake up feeling super refreshed. It's a more sustainable way to uh, to have fun. I, I agree with this part about the bar being fun. I had those years going out with friends. Wouldn't trade that for the world, but this dance practice is really dear to me for other reasons. So I'd love to hear from you, what are the real deeper intentions of conscious dance, conscious movement, where that takes us? I mean, for me, ultimately what we want as human beings is connection. We want to feel seen and we want to see others and we want to share meaningful and have meaningful experiences. So whether we're going to the bar, going to a festival, going to the club, going to a basketball game, going to a sports game, doing whatever it is that we're doing on our free time, we're seeking that sense and that feeling of communion, being together, being connected. And oftentimes, a lot of places where, you know, there's a lot of other forces at play, where there are drugs, where there is alcohol, you might get that feeling of connection in little doses and you might have like a moment of like feeling totally connected and free, but it just comes with a lot of other baggage. And I try to curate gatherings and try to create spaces where that feeling of connection is sustained throughout so that from the moment you walk in, from the way that we greet you at the door, from the way that people are interacting with each other in the space, and from the intentions that we put into the events themselves and some of the guidelines and the rules for the events that we have, the intention ultimately is we want you to have that feeling of connection throughout. And we want it to be easy and accessible for you to meet and connect with others, but first and foremost, to connect with yourself. That sounds kind of woo woo for some people. They're like, oh, connect with yourself, fluffy duffy, like whatever. But the truth is that is, in my opinion, what we're all really wanting and what we're all striving for. And so dance for me and music, it's just an immediate access point into that connection. And going with listening for me is the idea of consent and how that's different in these spaces that you create and others create. Could you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, I mean, look, Jake, you and I are two men having this conversation about dance and dance spaces. And I think it's also super important that we include and take into consideration the experience of a woman who loves to dance, wants to go out, wants to have a good time. The reality is for women that want to go out, it's a challenge. It is borderline assault. And these are just the words that female friends of mine have told me going out to a club, going out to a bar, and they just want to have fun with their friends and dance. It is a very intense experience most of the time because there is this culture of uh, predatory 
behavior, you know, on behalf of men on women. And so to create a space that hopefully is safe, and I say hopefully because I try not to throw the word safe space, the word safe space around just like loosely. People talk about safe spaces all the time, but what does it really mean? It's not a safe space just because I, as the organizer, say, hello, welcome, this is a safe space for you. No, everybody needs to buy into that. It's a safe space if there's a collective agreement that we are going to create that safety together. And what does that mean? Well, first and foremost, there needs to be consent. There needs to be an agreement between people that, hey, look, if I want to dance with you and I love the way you're moving and I'm trying to share a moment of connection with you, well, I need to make sure that you want to have that moment with me. This isn't just like, let me grab you, start dancing with you. And unless you totally shove me away, I'm taking that as a yes, because that's the predominant culture that we live in. Instead, there needs to be better communication and a better way of gauging how it is that we approach another person on the dance floor and in life. So at our events, we very much emphasize in the very beginning, if you guys want to dance together, amazing. We love to see connection on the dance floor, but please make sure that it is a mutual agreement. And we have ways that we uh, give people the tools to do that. Like if you want to dance with somebody, extend your hand out, see if that person wants to dance with you. They will then like put their hand on yours, or you can kind of mirror the movements that somebody else is doing. If they respond and they start to mirror those movements back. Okay. That's an unspoken yes. But if at any point you are uncomfortable and you don't want to dance, you could put your hands at your chest and express your no as, uh, hands together, namaste, thank you, but no thank you, I'm good. And we really encourage and enforce that. You know, if we see that somebody's violating that, we will pull that person to the side and say, hey, uh, that behavior is not accepted. And as a result of having these constraints, there's a freedom that comes where people, when they feel safe, they open up. And countless female friends of mine have told me, what a relief it is to come into a space where they're not being hit on and they can just express themselves and let loose and enjoy the music and not be worried about some guy like borderline attacking them. So it's, it's a very juicy topic and one that I don't think can be stressed enough. Extremely important. And I think we can all do our, our parts. I, I, I like the reality you bring to that. I have heard, even even in conscious dance spaces, um, there's still we're still in relation the gender different genders different sexual um, uh, sexual orientations we're all being ourselves learning together too and that happens and I and there's still triggers there's still people cross lines and I think that uh, I've been on retreats with you too and there have been conversations that have come up that I've seen you hold space on too so there's just a world of learning and we do it on this podcast too there's a world of learning to do about uh, for all of us, how we're going to relate to each other in the future world we're growing. And I do see that dance as part of the research uh, we do into each other. We're researching, you, you know, you the, what you talked about with embodied communication. I got that lesson in, in a contact improv workshop that you led, or the Dance Lab did. There's a beautiful lessons around how we research collisions with each other, how we, how we start slow, how we make eye contact, how we, how we read each other, all of that. This whole listening is part of building a new, better world, better businesses, better teams. And actually I've hired a number of people I met in five rhythms dancing 
Like I think <laughs> half my team I met at Five Rhythms. Uh, shout out to Ann Kite too and her dances in DC. And so it's a way of of connecting and meeting each other in a new way that's really been important to me. And there's so much that we can, so much potential to learn in these spaces together. Yeah, and it all just comes down to being open and curious. That is the only prerequisite to entering into the space. Be open, be curious, and be respectful of the space and the people that are in it. Besides that, you know, the availability for meaningful connection is there and it's waiting for you. Just needing to show up and let your guard down a bit. Uh, it's not a place to posture and like, pump your ego, but it's a place to really just show your true self. And on that note, it's important to really emphasize, although like the term ecstatic dance is something that's very popular, there's a lot of pressure in that term. I'll be the first to say it. Why? Because the idea is we are dancing to become ecstatic, to feel ecstasy. But the truth is for some people that enter into our events and into the dance, maybe they're not feeling so happy. Maybe they're not feeling so elated and ecstatic. What if you come to our event and you're just feeling super down, super tired, super disconnected? And if you feel like, oh, I'm doing something wrong, I'm not joyful, I'm not ecstatic, that's not the point. You know, we're really encouraging and inviting the full spectrum. However, you are, whatever your day was like, whatever baggage you're bringing into the space, you're welcome bring it and express that in your dance. If there's grief, if there's heaviness, a sadness, how can that energy be transmuted into movement? And I know that sounds like, once again, kind of heady, but there's a reality to transforming and translating your emotions into movement, into expression. And by doing that, it no longer just gets stuck. It's kind of like journaling, you know, when you feel stuck, what can we do to get unstuck? Well, maybe I need to write about it. And then by writing, you keep writing and you start to unpack what it is that's been holding you back and you get some clarity. Movement is like that. It's embodied journaling. It's an embodied excavation of what it is that's going on inside and letting that energy move through you. That's a really important function of dance for me and I know for others. And it's, it's part of practices like Five Rhythms. It's built into a lot of these modalities we're talking about where we're going through waves and experiencing our body, having somatic understanding as we drop in further and further to our body and let go of the stories, the judgments, the world and getting, you know, that's such a gift to be able to share that in the same space, the same time as others. And I feel so accepted in those spaces too. I feel there's an acceptance of, I don't just have to do this. You know, when I, when I feel like I'm in my practice and strong, I don't need to put on this show that I'm the most ecstatic person on the dance floor or that I have the most uh, sadness or strength. You know, I'm just being me and I know I'm going to be accepted in that space. And I hear new dancers coming in and they, I can see it in their eyes. They're looking around They're Who's watching me? Who's, you know, it, it's a programming we have to like notice how do I fit in with this group? How do I, who do I have to be in this space to be accepted and to not be thrown out, to be safe, to feel, feel good. And, I think it's such an important intention uh, when these spaces are held well that you can be yourself however that is and you'll be accepted and actually nobody's really watching you or judging you everybody's really just i mean that's the secret of life too is everybody's in their own dance and their own journey inwards and no one nothing you're doing i've never i can't even think of one time i've judged somebody's dancing 
uh, you know, for being too out there to whatever. I, I'm just in my own flow. I'm, I'm moving with others and I feel like everyone else is not just watching and dissecting your dance. You're there and you're, you'll be accepted. You and invite people to show up bravely in these spaces to and be themselves. Yeah. So just a little story about my first time entering into one of these spaces. It was probably 10 years ago to the day, March, 2012. And my friend Daniela invited me to a five rhythms class. I had no idea what it was, but I trusted her. So I went, uh, it was a Tuesday night uh, over on 10th street at the Joffrey ballet studio, walked in, no idea what to expect and boom, like overwhelmed with this group that I was encountering. And to be very honest, I was totally turned off by it. I was like, I don't know what the hell is going on. This is some like black magic voodoo practice, you know, people with like eyes rolled in the back of their head and just sort of flailing their arms. I was like, yo, I'm good. And I was kind of thinking about walking out and just leaving. But I thought to myself, you know what? Let me just see what this is about. So I stayed and I kind of like let myself continue with the process, started to just kind of stretch, moved around. And then I got really into the music. The music was picking up and it was really good. And I just started to realize what you were saying before, Jake. I realized nobody was really paying attention to the way another person was moving. This wasn't like a, a scene where you were trying to show off your best moves. It was clear that people were there to work on themselves. And at that phase of my life, I was starting to be very invested in, you know, personal growth. And so I realized, wow, this is actually a real invitation to dive in. And so over the course of the next hour and a half, I just started to get more and more into it. And I loved it. Actually, by the end, I was like, I'm hooked. This was amazing. I had sweat. I felt like I released a bunch of crap. I felt super aware, super connected to my body and made a few friends at the end. And from there, I was totally hooked. I was going to Five Rhythms twice a week, maybe. And then once Ecstatic Dance came to New York City a few years later, I was super involved with that. I was basically looking for any experience like this, an alternative to clubbing, an alternative to the bar culture of New York City. Whatever sort of conscious events that were happening in New York, I was there. And uh, that's kind of how it sparked and started and got to the point where eventually I started to host events or I was invited as a, a, a co-event producer for Ecstatic Dance and then eventually created Dance Lab. But yeah, that first experience, I had that impulse to just run away and leave. And so for anybody that's listening that might have that experience, my encouragement and invitation is stick it out. Like just ride the full wave of that event you go to. Stay till the end. And maybe by the end, you're like, I tried. It's just genuinely not for me. And if that's the case, that's great. Uh, but there is something profound that can happen when you kind of face that resistance and lean into it a bit. Totally encourage people to stick it out. I think that's probably the top advice from this podcast is get to a dance and stick it out. Go to one, try it, it, don't quit on it. And this is our second episode together. I did an interview with you before. I'd really encourage people to listen to. And I wanted to bring a question from that that's coming up for me. 
uh, before we get to your DJ set, which I'm also really excited about here. So please keep listening. If you made it this far, the DJ set's just around the corner. But I want to ask you to, I know from our, our friendship and from that, and our listeners will know you from that episode, that you're uh, pretty serious about spirituality, about history, about cultures and lineages. It's an important value to you. I've known that about you. So I want to bring that to, the, to dance, to what you've learned about the history of dance, where these practices have come from, and just kind of name some of that for our audience too, uh, the, the history behind them. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it is something that I'm super passionate about and over the last few years have been increasingly focusing my attention and energy on tracing the roots of ecstatic dance back to their origins. You know, ecstatic dance was birthed and was inspired by the practice of five rhythms. Five rhythms started in the 1970s by Gabrielle Roth, and she was very much inspired by ancient shamanistic traditions of the past. And so what were some of those shamanistic traditions? And not just shamanistic, but many traditional cultures around the world that had ritual around music and dance, and that it was not simply a form of entertainment and something to just occupy and entertain your guests, but it was something that was a ritual and a ritual of alchemy and transformation. And so as I started to research what the origins were, very soon I realized this has existed for as long as human beings have existed and has been around in every pocket and corner of this planet. That desire and that innate magnetic attraction we have towards community and communing with rhythm, with song, with the elements, it's all very much living inside of us almost like as a primal imprint in our DNA. Um, and for me, my background being Iraqi and my Muslim background and being very drawn to Sufism, I started to research, you know, what were some of the Sufi traditions that had music and dance as part of their spiritual practice. And so that quickly opened the doors to several places, the first being Morocco and the Ganawa music tradition from West Africa, North Africa, and the ways in which they used music and dance as a form of healing, as a ceremonial offering to somebody. If they were sick in the village, they would organize these rituals and there would be a whole night of uh, songs and of incense and different uh, offerings that would bring healing to whoever the sick person was. And to me, when I experienced it firsthand in Morocco, I realized this is not very different than what we do in New York with ecstatic dance, with Dance Lab. It's the same essence, it's the same energy. We're just doing it in our own modern, unique way, electronic music, speakers, but the essence and the ways in which we configure and come together that is very much consistent with our ancestors and how they used to commune and gather. My next project and the next iteration and stop of this research that I'm doing is the Whirling Dervishes of Turkey, which is uh, a tradition that was founded by the poet Rumi, which so many of us know. Maybe not many of us know that he uh, founded this practice and uh, birth this practice of whirling, spinning and spinning and spinning until you achieve a union with the divine. Uh, 
the ritual itself is called sema. And in Arabic, the word sema means deep listening. It's a deep listening experience that incorporates music and movement in a very ritualistic ceremonial way that together those elements can create a beautiful spiritual transformation. So this fall, I will be going with my friend Alex, who's a filmmaker, and we'll be doing a documentary episode about this tradition, the Whirling Dervish tradition. Uh, the first episode was about Ganawa. The second will be about the Whirling Dervishes. And uh, the dream is to have, you know, six to eight episodes, each one featuring a different sacred music and dance lineage. Um, and so the the vision is to show that, you know, what we're doing in the modern day of how we celebrate, how we come together, well, actually, it's not very different than what people have been doing for thousands of years. And I feel like making that connection to the bigger web, the bigger story, puts things into perspective and uh, creates a connection and a thread that's very beautiful. I yeah, I would love to know how to support that project, how our listeners could, could follow along with that. It sounds fascinating to me and also important to dance communities to, to learn about other dance traditions and cultures that have so much to share with us. Yeah, absolutely. So on April 1st, I'll be launching a crowdfunding campaign to raise money for this trip to Turkey. All of the funds are going to go towards the creation of the documentary, producing it, filming it, editing it, hiring local talent in Turkey. Um, and so you can find that campaign on launchgood.com slash SEMA, S-E-M-A, doc, D-O-C, launchgood.com slash SEMA doc. And we're hoping in 2023 to then also be able to bring a group of people to Turkey to experience the Whirling Dervish tradition in person and to be immersed in it together. This first trip, though, this year will be just uh, a few of us going to film and to build these relationships. But yeah, if you're interested, I would love to hear from you. Amazing. Check the description boxes below if you're listening to this. We'll share those links. Find it there and connect with Omar there. I'll have to shift gears now into the DJ set, the practice piece of this. Would you introduce that for us, please? What to expect? Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> it's always fun and funny to talk about something that can't really be spoken about. So right now the invitation is to really experience what we're talking about. So for the next 20, 25 minutes, I'll be playing some music from around the world, different traditions, different genres, different emotional uh soundscapes that hopefully will take you on a bit of a journey uh so the invitation is to you know create the space that you're in maybe clear out some of the space wherever you are wherever your room is and to dance with me to move through a, a short wave of music and uh to just follow that curiosity wherever it takes you thank you yeah and just before we jump in I just want to thank everybody for listening. It's the last you're going to hear from me today. I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast or watching this. Make sure to follow along, subscribe, let us know how your practice goes with dancing. Thanks again to Omar for sharing this amazing set. Keep on growing out there and keep on moving. Thank you.
disipó mi llanto. Huyerengue pa' bailar. Hablo de la beba ajena. Huyerengue pa' bailar. Y me alegro con mi canto. Huyerengue pa' bailar. Hablo de la 